Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the book of Joshua with this message entitled, The Faithfulness of the Covenant Lord. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Joshua chapter 21. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this glorious invitation to come to your banquet. We did not deserve this invitation. We were outside of the kingdom of God. But you called us effectually. You regenerated us. You granted us saving faith. You granted us the gift of repentance. You enabled us to look to God and be saved. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In Joshua 23, may we open the Bible to that particular chapter. Look to the covenant Lord, not to anybody else. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord who was faithful in the past. Look to the Lord who is faithful in your present. And look to the Lord who will be faithful in your future. The last two chapters of Joshua record the farewell address of the faithful servant of the Lord. They are the last words of Joshua. And we must pay most careful attention to the last words of God's people. They contain only things that are most essential for our life. Imagine what you would say to your children when you are about to die. We saw Joshua as a young man in Exodus chapter 33. But now we see him as an old man. Look at verse 1. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. Joshua by then old and well advanced in years. Or look at verse 14. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. Probably he was about 110 years of age. We saw Paul in Acts 7 as a young man. But he speaks of himself as an, an aged man. In the epistle to Philemon. As a result of original sin. All die. The rich. The mighty. The poor. They all die. Even Methuselah. At the age of 969. Died. Enoch. And Elijah escaped death by divine intervention. Also those saints who would be alive at the coming of the Lord would escape physical death. 
And we read in Romans 5 and verse 12. Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man. And death through sin. And in this way death came to all men. Because all sin. Suffering problem must be seen in the light of the fall of man. The world that we see is not the world that God created. There has been a fall. And therefore there is suffering and death and war and sickness and hatred and terror. It is appointed for man once to die and then comes the judgment of God. Moses died at 120 years of age. Now Joshua is about to die. The last words of Moses are to be found in the book of Deuteronomy, especially in the last two chapters. Now let us listen to the last words of Joshua, the faithful servant of the Lord. And so we are told here... Joshua summoned all the leaders of Israel, possibly at Shiloh, to exhort them as he himself was exhorted by the Lord in chapter 1. Let's turn to chapter 1 and beginning with verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people To inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now at the end of his life. Joshua wants to give the same exhortation to all Israel. Joshua is going to be no more. You know that? Your father is going to be no more. Your mother is going to be no more. And you must appreciate and listen to them now if you want to profit by their life. So Israel listened carefully his counsel, his last will and testament. So we must listen to counselors who lived a holy life. Joshua was a slave in Egypt. He was an eyewitness to all the miracles of the Lord. He saw the plagues in Egypt. He saw the parting of the Red Sea. He saw the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire guiding Israel. He drank the sweet waters of Mara and Elam. 
He drank water from the flinty rock. He ate manna for 40 years. He also saw the judgment of God upon his own people. He saw many of them dying in the desert. He obeyed the Lord fully. He never murmured against the Lord. He brought a good report as a spy. He fought valiantly against the Amalekites and the Amorites. He crossed the Jordan, which was dried up by the Lord. He fought and conquered Canaan. At his prayer, we are told the sun stood still. He divided the land to all the tribes as God commanded him to do. Even Moses failed, failed to enter Canaan because of his own sin. But Joshua lived a life of full obedience. We are told that he chose always to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. He had a different spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. The Lord commended him. He was a good and faithful servant. What then is his counsel to Israel? And therefore to us. In the 16 verses of Joshua 23, Joshua cites 17 times the name of the Lord. And that ought to tell us what he is emphasizing. Don't look to me. Don't look to anybody else. Look to the Lord. So Joshua is saying, I am old and dying Look to the Lord of the covenant and follow him, the eternal one, the undying one, the everlasting one. As Isaiah later said, look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, there is no one else. Seventeen times the word Yahweh appears, the Lord Yahweh is self-existing. Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is unchanging in his being. Yahweh is unchanging in his relationship with his people. Yahweh saves his people by his mighty deeds. He is the covenant Lord. He alone is the Savior. He alone is sovereign who controls all history and all the universe. It is Yahweh who gives rest to his people. And yet Yahweh demands total loyalty of his people. To disobey him is to court disaster. And to love him and to obey him is to enjoy his great salvation. So Joshua, as a counselor to Israel, in his last words, calls attention, as I said, to the Lord's dealings in the past and the Lord's faithfulness 
in the present and the Lord's faithfulness in the future. Joshua dies and must die. But the Lord lives forever and leads his people. Not only a rest in Canaan, but into eternal rest of forgiveness of our sins. So, let's look at the Lord's faithfulness in the past. A review of saving history. Heil's Geschichte, salvation history. We know that God had entered into a covenant with Abraham to give him children and a country as recorded in Genesis 15. Abraham spoke about this covenant to his children. Let's turn to the book of Genesis chapter 48 and listen to another old man, Jacob. Chapter 48 of Genesis, sometime later Joseph was told, your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. Verse 2, when Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat upon the bed and so on. Now let's come to verse 21 and 22. Then Israel said to Joseph, his son, I am about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. And let's look at chapter 50. Joseph is now old and dying. Chapter 50, verse 24. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in due time, after many centuries, the Lord of the covenant, we are told, appeared to Moses in burning bush and commissioned him to deliver Israel from Egyptian slavery. They were led out by the Lord's mighty deeds. The Lord led them, fed them, kept them, and finally brought them into their country called Canaan. The Lord fought for them, conquered the land, and gave them as inheritance. We are told that the Lord gave them rest from all their enemies. Look at verse 1 of chapter 23 of Joshua. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. God's faithfulness in the past. Israel lived in cities they did not build. They were given the land as a gift. Verse 13, 15, and 16. It points to the truth that salvation is always a gift from God. Never earned or merited. 
So the idea here is Israel must reflect, look back upon God's past faithfulness so that in the present you can trust in him alone. First, he gave them rest as he promised. Look at chapter 21, verse 44. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sown to their forefathers. Not one of their enemies withstood them. Look at verse 3 of chapter 23. Here we are told, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done. God performed these mighty deeds before their very eyes. You are witnesses to the Lord's past saving deeds. And look at verse 3 again. It says, the Lord, your God, fought for you. That's what he did in the past. It is not your fighting that brought you rest. He fought for you. And the idea then is he who fought for you in the past will fight for you in the present and so on. Let's turn to Joshua 5 where the Lord appears as a soldier, a fighter, captain of the Lord's army. Joshua 5, beginning with verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. He fought he fights, he will fight for his people. That is the idea. Turn to Joshua chapter 10 and verse 11. And as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. And more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the souls of the Israelites. The Lord fought. The Lord fights. And the Lord will fight. And number four, look at verse nine of chapter 23. The Lord drove out powerful nations. More powerful than the Israelites. Verse 9 of 23. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day no one has been able to withstand you. That means the Lord is greater than all other nations and their gods put together. You're talking about Egypt. Talking about the Amalekites and the Amorites. Their gods are nothing. Number five. This Lord was faithful to all his promises. 
and chapter 21 verse 45 it says not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed everyone was fulfilled see God is not a man that he should lie neither son of man that he should change his mind what he promises he fulfills so let's turn to chapter 23 beginning with verse 14 now I'm about to go the way of all the earth you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed and then he puts it positively then again negatively every promise has been fulfilled not one has failed God is faithful and he will do what he promised he has done it and he does it and he will do it let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 29 Samuel is speaking he who is the glory of Israel does not lie this is the very word of God he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind for he is not a man that he should change his mind and St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and here he says in verse 20 for no matter how many promises God has made now of course these promises are conditional you must understand that there is no unconditional promise salvation is by grace through faith and yet you must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so keep that in mind for no matter how many promises God has made they are yes in Christ the Lord is not truth and lie he is the truth and all truth is of him so look back and see the faithfulness of God number two look to the present focus on the present and see the faithfulness of God in your present situation see we cannot do much about the past and we cannot do much about what the future but one thing we can do and that is focusing attention on the present and doing the will of God in the present knowing that this God will be with me in the present so a number of things Joshua is telling the leaders of Israel number one verse 6 of chapter 23 as he was told by the Lord in chapter 1 he now tells to everybody be very strong as we review God's faithfulness to his covenant in the past we become strong and courageous and we would not fear our enemies why should we the sovereign lord of the past 
is for us in the present. He who fought battles for us in the past fights for us now in our behalf. Take a look at verse 3 and then verse 10. Verse 3 says, it was the Lord your God who fought for you. Now look at verse 10. One of you routs a thousand because what? The Lord your God fights in the present tense. Fights for you. And when you look at this book, you see God's faithfulness in the past. And it is written down for our encouragement, for our hope, for our patience, and for our warning. He fought, he fights. Don't ever think that you are to fight. You fight, but he fights. Therefore, you fight. Notice verse 10. It says, one of you routs a thousand. We are strengthened and energized to fight. But don't take all that credit. Here it is. Why is it? Because the Lord fights for you. Turn to Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8. And here again, we are told, five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Why is that? Because the Lord fights in the present for you. Or in the New Testament, we are told, resist the devil. And he shall flee from you. Devil, superhuman, angelic being of infinitely greater strength than we have. You resist him in the name of Jesus Christ. He flees from you. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now take a look at verse 6 again. Be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning aside to the right or to the left, there's a book. We are a people of a book. We are people of God's book. And in the present, we must read the book, study the book, meditate upon the book, and do what the book tells us. You cannot simply say that God will fight for me no matter what I do. If he is Lord, he demands complete loyalty and obedience of his people. When Moses died, the book consisted of five books. When Joshua died, it consisted of six books. And the canon increased. And finally we have, by the end of the first century AD, we now have what? The entire canon, it is finished. No more books are written. No more apostles who can speak infallibly and write infallible scriptures. 
and thank God that this book is in our own language. The canon grew and came to completion and we in the present are to study the book and do what the book tells us. It is written by those who witnessed God's mighty deeds. And it is written down for us who did not see the mighty deeds. But it is written down by the eyewitnesses. Therefore we know it is true. Number four is in the present be separate. Separate from paganism. Separate from the world. You are in the world, but not of the world. You are the light of the world. Look at verse 7. It says, Do not associate with the nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the name of their gods or swear by them. That's idolatry. And God placed some of these nations within Canaan to test you to see whether you demonstrate your love for God by serving him and worshipping him only you must not serve them or bow down to them look at verse 12 but if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of this nation that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them, remember the problem of Solomon. He rejected the biblical order. He was fascinated with pagans. Intermarry with them and associate with them. Be separate. Be holy. Remember the story of Baal Peor. Some women came and seduced Israel. Come to our worship service. Come to church of Baal Peor. We have music. We have dancing. We sit down to eat and we rise up to play. We do all things to entertain you. Come. And be careful, do not associate with them. 24,000 Israelites were killed by God himself for such mixing and associating with paganism. Whether outright paganism of the world or the paganism of the evangelical church. Here we declare God's truth and therefore demand that we live a holy life. Turn to Numbers 23 and verse 9. Here is a pagan prophet. He is seeing the truth concerning God's people. From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. Now the description of God's people. I see a people who live apart. This is divine apartheid. There is an apartheid that is right. Which is to be in the world but not of the world. I see a people who live apart 
and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Holiness is power. Be holy, for I am holy, is the biblical teaching. Turn to Second Corinthians and listen to the language of St. Paul, chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Unbelievers of the world or unbelievers of the church. It makes no difference. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What's the answer? Nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What's the answer? Nothing. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Nothing. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. Except that you have a responsibility to declare to them the gospel. But nothing in common. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Nothing. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, what is it? Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And St. Paul says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Number five, about the present. What should we do in the present? Look at verse 8 of chapter 23. It says, but you ought to hold fast to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. It's an interesting word used in Genesis 2 and verse 24 about magic. You must leave your father and mother and what? Cleave, be glued to, be joined to. It's a magic language. It is the language of exclusive love. And so we are told in verse 11, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. Intimacy, communion. Or St. John will say in John 15, abide in Christ. As a branch abides in the vine. This is the idea. This vital union with Christ. Be joined. Hold fast to the covenant Lord. He is your husband. That's the picture. And you are the wife. Hold fast to him. No adultery. No idolatry. No other God saved you. It is the covenant Lord who saved you from Egypt and brought you out. You must not have any other gods before me. That's the exclusivism. Let's turn to Joshua 22 and verse 5 to get a definition of what it means to hold fast, what it means to love God. Is it a feeling 
No, look at verse 22, chapter 22, verse 5. Get that definition of what love is. Be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God. And then we are told what? To walk in all his ways to obey his commands to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul love in other words is keeping the commandments of the Lord if you love me keep my commandments Jesus Christ said there is no difference between Old Testament and New Testament and we must get rid of the Hollywood definition of love Loving God is keeping his commandments. We have no other husbands. You don't have an open marriage. And we love him because he first loved us. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7. And let me read it to you. That truth. Deuteronomy 7. Beginning with. Verse 7, the Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other peoples for you were fewest of all peoples but it was because the Lord loved you. He loved us first. And he saved us. He redeemed us. He fought for us. He gave us rest. He kept his promises. No other gods did it. No other man did it. He did it. And so we love him. And number three, the Lord's faithfulness in the future. See, we tend to worry about future. We fear about future. We are anxious about future. But if we did what is right in the present, if we do what is right in the present, You have nothing to worry about the future. The Lord who fought for you in the past. The Lord who fights for you in the present. Will surely fight for you in the future. And you shall be saved. You are saved. You are being saved. And you will be saved. And what about the future? Should we fear it? Should we we be anxious about our future? No, if we live for God in the present, we will not be anxious of the future. We will not fear of future, but we will rejoice in our future. Our future is glorious. The God who was for us in the past, who is with us in the present, will be with us in the future. He will fight for you. Turn with me to chapter 23 again and verse 3 says he fought for us verse 10 says he fights for us but look at verse 5 the Lord your God himself what will drive them out in the future you trust in him and he will drive out your enemies in the future now in the introduction Joshua chapter 1 And verse 5, listen to it. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will what? Never leave you, nor forsake you. 
He's not just God of the past. He's not just God of the present. He is also the God of the future. Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the ages. He'll be with you the, at the moment of your death itself, giving you strength to die and to die in hope. He fought, he fights, he will fight. He will drive out all our enemies. The obedient ones have nothing to fear. They shall experience covenant blessings from the covenant Lord. But the disobedient ones must fear divine curse and divine judgment. Turn to chapter 23. And let me read to you from verse 16. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Notice what is it? The Lord's anger will burn against the pagans, against you. And you read verse 7 and 12 and 13 and you notice that type of truth. If you are fascinated with paganism and pagan gods and pagan evils I say to you serve whatever gods you want but I and my family we serve the Lord I cannot come and prevent you from serving other gods you have the freedom to do so let's turn to verse 13 take a look at this The Holy Spirit is heaping up terms of judgment. Let me read to you, beginning with verse 12. But if you turn away and ally yourselves, mix yourselves with the survivors, isn't that the idea? Just come, mix with us. How how is it that you don't come to our parties? You are exclusive. You don't mix with us. You are not open-minded. You are exclusive. Come, let's have fun. And go ahead, if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of this nation that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure. Judgment is sure. The Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become, and now listen to the words, become snares and traps for you. And not only that, whips on your backs and thorns on your eyes. I have seen in my life how disobedient Christians heaped upon themselves suffering after suffering after suffering after suffering after suffering. Snares, traps, whips in the back, thorns in the eyes until they perish. God is love and God is holy. And this literally happened. Israelites came under the cruel domination of their neighbors. The Israel in the north came into slavery, exile in 721. Judah went into exile in 587. And then in 70 AD to Rome. 
This is serious business. First majority of evangelicals are antinomians. They are saying you can mix, you can be like the pagans, everything will be all right. As long as you accept Jesus, you can do anything you want. And sounds extremely nice to pagans, isn't it? Even the devil is not worried about the gospel of modern evangelicals. But be warned of the snares, the traps, the whips, and the thorns in the eyes. So as God is faithful to his promises, he is also faithful in his what? Threatenings. There is blessing and there is curse. And you know, golden calf incident, 3,000 were killed. Korah incident, first 253, then 14,700 killed by God. The Balpeor incident, 24,000 killed by God. And he killed 603,548 people of his own. Ensure a good future. How? By serving God faithfully in the present. Pay careful attention to the parting words of Joshua. But Joshua the son of Nun in God's plan. Brought Israel to the rest of Canaan. The rest of Canaan. But he could not bring anyone. To the rest of forgiveness. Or justification. He could not bring anyone to the rest of peace with the holy God. Joshua, son of Nun, could not atone for the sins of Israel. He was a sinner, just like Mary, the mother of Jesus, a sinner in need of salvation. For our rest of forgiveness and communion with the holy God, we must look to another Joshua. One who is greater than Joshua, the son of Nun. One who is greater than Moses. One who is greater than Solomon. One who is greater than the temple. We must look to Joshua, the son of Abraham, the son of David. We must look to Joshua, the son of God and the son of Mary. We must look to Jesus Christ. We must look to the Lamb of God who by his death on our behalf has taken away our sins. He calls us and all sinners of the world, Jew and Gentile, and listen to his call. Come unto me. All you who are weary and burdened. That speaks about the life of a pagan, the life of a sinner. He is weary. While he is parting, he is weary. While he is parting, he is burdened. While he is parting, he is restless. And he is miserable. And here the greater Joshua is calling, come unto me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find what rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or listen to Isaiah. Come now let us reason together says the Lord though your sins are like scarlet they will be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson they will be white as wool. 
the Lord, the shepherd of Israel, the undying eternal one died as an atoning sacrifice. It is he who can give rest to our souls. And he gives rest the moment you trust in him. And we discover rest as we obey him daily. There is the rest of conversion and the rest of consecration or obedience. Every day we enjoy rest as we walk with the Lord, our good shepherd. So I say every day we enjoy rest as we walk with the Lord, our good shepherd. Then one day, when our life on earth is done, our good shepherd shall bring us to our eternal rest. Listen to St. John in Revelation 14. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. And you go to ancient cemeteries and you will see the scripture written on the tombstone. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor. Let me tell you, the future of believers is glorious. It is, can be defined as what? Four-letter word, rest. It is life eternal. It is everlasting bliss. It is seeing God face to face. It is to live in the house of the Lord forever. It is joy celestial and indescribable. We are not speaking anymore about the rest of a piece of real estate. Paul didn't own any real estate, neither did Jesus. Listen to Paul. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Better by far. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled, The Faithfulness of the Covenant Lord. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.